Hello and welcome to the Steph Sanzaro podcast. My name is Steph and I am so grateful to have you here with me for the first episode of 2021. Now this podcast is a space for open and honest conversation. A space for my guests and I to lean into vulnerability and to talk about the things that are really important to us and the things that we want to raise awareness for. And we are starting 2021 off with a magical episode. And I feel very, very blessed to have been able to have the guest come and speak to us and to share with us in such an incredible way this week. Now in this episode, we are going to talk about a lot of things, all the way from running as a sport, but also running away from our problems to the power of movement and yoga comparison and new ways to look at anxiety, how an unfortunate accident can lead to awakening and self-growth, and also some incredible notes on philosophy and mindful perspectives for you all too, but also acknowledging our emotions and finding strength in vulnerability and the power of community and connection in our collective growth. So it is a jam-packed episode and I'm so excited to introduce to you this week's guest, Ryan Mannix. Something that you were working towards, like owning a studio. No, like the, the, that would be the, would, yeah, it's like a 180 turn, almost 360 turn, yeah. So what was the initial drive? Just to teach yoga and I think it was like... Um, just to hang out with cool crew. I only came to Torquay to hang out with a guy called or who had yoke. Yeah. I don't know. Just Chris. Chris, and then we sort of just became friends, and I started teaching for him, and then we started doing trainings together, and then he was like, "Let's get you more involved in the business," and and then he was like, "He's got three kids, so he wanted to step back," and he's like, "I'm going to sell the business." I was like, and he knew that I wanted to like be more involved with him, just just running trainings and epic things, and he's like, "Oh." I'm going to sell it. And I said, man, if you get a good price for it, go for it. Like, he goes, would you be interested in taking it on? I was like, I haven't got that much coin because I just, like, I, d- I bought a house in Torquay. It cost me, like, Whoa. way too much money. It was, like, two years ago I bought a house when the prices were still chill. A yeah. cheap house. Like, that's when I stopped living there. And I, and um, and then he put it on the market and it just, someone bought it straight away. It was, like, another studio in Geelong bought it. But then they um, passed it in. Hey. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't want to start working for someone else. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to open a studio. So I was, I was going to open a studio. And it gave me this drive that I never had. Because everyone was like, oh man, you can't not teach in Torquay. And I was like, you've got such, you know, there's a community here they want to teach, want to practice. So I started looking in the industrial estate for a space. Oh yeah. And we found a couple of spaces and we signed a lease. And then Chris said, hey, like, if you want to cool off that lease and you can, we'll just, we'll put you in this for the same price. And so I bought the business pretty much next to nothing. I said, look, oh, I'm going to change the name and rebrand it and make it my own. And he's like, go for it. So we're still best mates. I just caught up with him before talking talk about teacher training and that. So, but he wants to move to Byron and things and oh, he does. different vibe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's on to the next thing. Hmm. That's amazing. Which happens. And now look at you. So I just fell into it. Fell into it. Fell into it. I feel like that's when they say it was meant to be. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Sounds good. That is amazing. Yeah. But also, I know that your other passion is running. Running. Yeah. 
Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the origins behind you and where you started running? Um, so running was... Uh, uh, running was always like something that I, I don't know, r- for me running was just a way of, um, I don't know, sometimes it was like escapism at the start. I just wanted to like, you know, I ran because I just, it was good for me in my headspace and just get out of, it's it just like, it was like I left everything behind and I just ran. So it was really epic. That was when I was really young and then running became this, um, I don't know, it was, it was like something that. it was interesting my friend the other day I was talking to him he wrote his post about running and how running has been a backbone for his life and when I read his post I sort of realized that you know what like running without running I wouldn't be anywhere like it's been such a savior running has been everything from it was my profession to it allowed me to travel the world and race competitively it was uh, something that was very mi- a mindful practice. I've met like so many amazing people that were always doing great things. So whenever you're around great people, you kind of just like you do great, you know. So like it elevated my um, just my ability to to go after things. It gave me dedication and motivation. It was com- uh, I, I fostered and harnessed commitment from running. Whoa. So I, I look at running and I kind of think you know without running. Um, I definitely wouldn't be the person I was today. And I think that goes true with any sport, you know. Mm-hmm. If you're dedicated to your sport, it, it, you know, whatever it is, whatever your art is, like if you're dedicated, it gives you different qualities just, uh, you know, apart from just the, the actual art itself, you know. Wow. It's allowed you to grow in so many different ways. Yeah, it was cool. And it just kind of, again, I just fell into things. I, I think that's been the sort of common thread for my life. I've just fallen into things, you know. Yeah. I never really set out to to be a competitive runner and then I started running and I was fit enough to you know be competitive and then <clears throat> then I moved to and I and then I thrived on competition and I moved to Ballarat to run with a couple of guys who were running in Ballarat Ballarat at the time um, and then I moved to Kenya to run with the Kenyans because they were like doing well and then I kind of just kept running and and I started you know traveled the world and raced and, and ran and competed for Australia and and it took me to different places but I never really initially thought you know what I'm gonna um that's gonna be my career yeah. you know it was just something that I fell into wow which I think ha- happens naturally with anything you know mm. you just kind of fall into things definitely and I think a lot of people spend a lot of time in their youth their, their 20s even their 30s having their years in their 40s like wondering like what am I supposed to do with yeah. my life? I need to achieve. I need to do something. And, mm. and people feel quite lost. But with you, it just feels like it was really effortless. Do you think yeah. it's because you just like trusted? I don't know. Like the, I guess there's an element of trust somewhere along the lines. I mean, you question yourself. Mm. I still question myself. You know, what am I doing with myself? Teaching yoga or what is? what am I up to? Um, but I think there's a level of trust with anything that you do, isn't it? When you dedicate so much time and commitment to it, I think... Um, yeah, you kind of just trust the process and I guess you're more, I was more, I wasn't so hooked on an outcome, you know, I was, I was never really hooked on an outcome. Like when I, when I started to get competitive, my, I really wanted to represent Australia. So that was like a goal of mine, but I wasn't necessarily hooked on the idea. I enjoyed the travel and I enjoyed meeting people and I enjoyed 
you know, testing my training against other crew in the world, you know, what I, how I was training, see how it sort of measured up with other people. And, and I enjoyed that process. And then when it came to represent Australia, I was kind of like, oh, I'm the same person, you know, I've just, it's just another race. So it wasn't, I wasn't so, uh, I was goal driven, but I wasn't a- attached to my goals. And I think that made it effortless. So when you talk about effortless, I mean, yeah, that became, that, that was the, the, the factor of effortlessness i think in the whole situation the detachment from it yeah you just kind of do things and you're sort of less attached to the outcome mm. you know because that's a yogic philosophy isn't it well yeah it is it is i never really studied yoga like i studied meditation and i loved visualization and i and we we got taught as runners how to visualize and how to do um some mindful breath work and so forth really? i mean we never really i never threw the strain institute of sport and guys like that um, some coaches there taught us technique that was was a little bit wishy-washy for me. I was just like, what's this all about? But it kind of worked. I remember, actually, I remember one time I was running the City to Surf. It's an event in Bondi. It's, a, it's like a, it's a big city fun run. And uh, and we, I was doing this technique of visualizing. I think it was like you, you visualize yourself having a great performance and the sun shining on you and you're running effortless over the hills and and you're passing people and you're on the front and and then the next day when I raced it it was like it was exactly like the visualization I was like wow this stuff is kind of trippy it's like it's there's 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 something to this you know there's merit in this um this whole visualization process and and even still like I'm, I'm pretty um I like to test things out I don't you know like I can read about it and I'll I can hear, you know, have people talk about it, but unless I taste it, I'm sort of like, not skeptical, but I'm just like, I'm open, but I'm not, I'm not convinced, you know? Yeah. I like to just taste everything and see, and just see how it sort of, yeah. it, it tastes. See what works for you. Yeah. That's I think that's a good thing with yoga, you know, mm-hmm. especially all the philosophy in that. And there's so many different practices and techniques in yoga and techniques to, to have this experience or have that outcome and, just like it's nice to taste some of these things and see how they feel and what they do you know definitely i think since myself diving into the world of yoga i've now tried so many different types you know we did a little bit of tantra and kundalini last year and you know normal vinyasa and there's just always so much to learn yeah and so much to take on board Mm. i guess it's like that with everything for sure yeah. yeah The philosophies are really helpful, like in my own life, knowing them. But it's incredible that you still had that mindset before you even really knew them. Yeah, it's interesting, you know. Like a lot of people, especially now, like with the with the wave of like social media and Instagram, I feel like a lot of people are tapping into different philosophies, which is cool. They're exposed a, a lot more to, and not enough. It's the bubble that I hang out in, but you know, you, you only have to switch on your social media feed and to see some kind of philosophical thread, you know, pop up in you. <laughs> But it's something, it's cool because you ponder it, you know, you're like, oh, that's interesting. Sometimes you just skim over things because you're so exposed to different things. But it's also nice to kind of ponder life, I think, and, you know, the the reality of how things are and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, who we are and things like that. You know, when you start to understand that a little bit better, I think there's less, less, things are less of a big deal, you know? Yeah, You know, there's less of a, there's less density perhaps in, in life. And there's more sort of, I don't know, the world's just a big, pretty big place, you know? Mm. The universe is a big place. And you, and you start to realise your place in the world and how things are 
always happening and changing and you can't necessarily control the things that are happening and changing so you kind of just like you said it's like you just trust and you go with it which is kind of cool you know yeah like getting to know yourself better can help in like the grand scheme of things in your place in the world in your community your environment and how you walk through the world that's just what came to me just then I hope that's sort of what we were thinking but how have you spent a lot of time getting to know yourself better yeah I just think like meditation for one for sure I mean running was always a mindful meditation for me and I think about it now it was never a formal sitting practice you know where you sit and you you formally meditate it was always get out in nature and go for a two-hour run and just be close to my thoughts and close to my breath and and um for me it was kind of like there was something very mindful about running because there was so much presence in running like you were you weren't necessarily i mean there were times you're probably thinking about something different but when you're running and you're in nature for me there was an experience of utmost presence you know i was always definitely there in the experience of running so you kind of learn a little bit about yourself and also running how you can sort of test how things come up and the mind will sort of um the mind stuff comes up and you realize the nature of thinking and and how you don't have to necessarily believe all your thoughts and things like that that was an interesting concept um, with running but also i think um just hanging out with different people you know like if there was something or someone who inspired me i'd do my best to go and hang out with them really? you know like for instance uh like the kenyan runners would inspire me so i thought i'd go and live in kenya just to see what these guys were doing or um wow that sounds incredible yeah or, or like when i moved to ballarat like steve montagetti was a big inspiration of mine so i thought you know this guy i just want to go and hang out with this guy and just see what so I just would go and hang out with him and I ended up getting coached by him and, and living in a, in a house with runners that were all sort of like running together under this coach. And I think it's just been like that. I think people have stories and, and I love hearing people's stories and from their stories I, I then can learn about myself, you know, and the nature of things. Even like I said, coming to hang out with Chris Wilson, like he's, there's, there's just so much depth he's a true yogi this guy you know he, he definitely embodies yoga and to sort of hang around crew like that it's just like you embody the practice as well and and you feed off each other so that's been really nourishing being in Torquay and having people like Chris around and um some of the teachers now that are teaching and it's all yoga you know they're just it's a pleasure to be around these sort of people because wow. you learn about yourself you know I, I do anyway I learn about myself through unpacking things together yeah you know i think that's why community is really important me too i completely agree since moving to this house and connecting with the two girls that i'm living with i've never felt more like myself yeah and that's being able to tap into the things that i love doing that maybe elsewhere i don't feel as comfortable being so expressive about you know like i love to do yoga in my morning every morning in my room every morning you know we've got the whole sustainable pantry going on yeah the veggie patch the you know the worm farm all these things that just felt really aligned in my environment that make me feel more like myself and the conversations i have with these girls i'm just like oh you just get it like you're so cool and i have so much to learn and yeah you're right that makes me feel like i get to know myself better Mm. it's really cool for sure and i think uh you know there's a when someone grows if if you're in community everyone grows 
Do you know, like, where that, that's the good thing. You accelerate as a crew rather than you're trying to accelerate as a, just an individual. Like, it lifts. And there's something about collective energy, you know. And that's what I've noticed in the yoga studio and noticed, like, in group meditations or group satsangs, like I was talking about before. Um, it's just like when, when there's crew around doing the same thing, everyone kind of shifts together, do you know, which is a cool thing. Yeah. Because everyone... you. There's something about that collective energy that pulls other people along. And I guess it comes back to the running, you know. Like, I remember going over to Kenya to run and I couldn't break, you know, my 10K time was like, it was okay, but it wasn't like great. But then you go over to, to Kenya and you start running and everyone's running great 10K times. And all of a sudden you just run great 10K times because everyone's doing it. So you just kind of like, you just do it because it's just the thing to do because you're in that sort of environment. Do you know what I mean? So wow. it lifts everybody. Um, even as a school teacher, I was, I was then a school teacher for like eight years before I was a yoga teacher and I taught in a girls school called McRobinson girls high school, which is a, it's a select entry high school. So they take girls in at year nine and then they go from year nine to 12 and it's based on an academic test to come into the school. So it's kind of like a, it's, it's an interesting concept, like the whole, um, schooling process of academia and like results and you know I, I have conflicts of of mind with certain ways you know we, we we school students these days not in a bad not in a judgmental kind of way I just think that there could be different ways to do things but um, anyway these girls were, were tested to get into this school so they're top of the top in the state and they come from all over the, the state and what I noticed in this school was like the median the median um, ATAR score so was something like 94 or something which is like super high if you know so, about ATAR you so know like high. that's the median like four or five girls a year were getting like top of, of the out of seven in Victoria like four of the girls would be for McRob wow. but what it did was it lifted the bar for everyone yeah. it was just it was so fascinating to see it could it went two ways like it lifted the bar for everyone mm-hmm. but then for those that were in the comparison mode and comparing and being sort of like you know it, it could be when you're around successful people sometimes it also can it can cause you to, to ask questions and judge yourself and compare yourself with others and that that also had a had an effect on some of the girls that was they still did very success you know they, they still had a lot of success but at the same time you know when you come up against yourself like that in those moments of comparison and judgment that's I guess where the real learning takes place you know if you didn't have those concepts, then you kind of just like smooth sail and you, there's, you never really challenge and through the challenge perhaps is where you grow the most. Exactly. So I noticed a lot of growth in those girls that were challenged in that way, you know, physically and mentally. Um, wow. Yeah. And you can go either way there. You can feel and take that lesson as like maybe not meeting the mark of those girls as the comparison and feeling not good enough and that, you know, you can take that through life with you. You can take that concept or at some stage through your life, you can really like learn about it and uncover and move through that and grow yourself. I think that's really powerful. Mm. I feel like a lot of people can resonate with that, like not feeling good enough in today's society, comparing each other to each other. And I like what you said about like collective growth because I hope that's the direction that more of us are going to start to step into Mm. rather than like secluding ourselves and being like, no, I'm going to do everything by myself. Mm. People like when they rely on each other and can connect with each other, I think that's when the growth happens. 
Yeah, because you, you, you celebrate the joys of others and you celebrate in the in the wins of others. Whereas if it's segregated, like it's me and and versus you, then you know if someone is successful, jealousy will occur, or if someone successful, resentment will occur, or and it goes the actual direct opposite way. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting thing. You know, if we all if we all work together and then you'll celebrate the joys of others and that can be really nourishing for both parties. You know, it's, it's so, that's actually one of the yoga sutras um, is celebrate in the, in the happiness of others. And it's like, it's got nothing to do with asana. It's got nothing to do with breath or meditation. It's just purely um, one of the practices of yoga is to sell, be happy when other people win, you know, like how cool is that? Like, it's amazing. And that's so, because it, it, it goes from that small mind to big mind. It expands the quality of mind, you know? I love that. Which is, which is cool. And, but, and, and I noticed that, because it's just the nature, I think, of things these days, like to be able to, you know, there is a lot of comparison because we're exposed to so much, so much that's going on in the world, like through social media and the gram and things like that. And, you know, it's, it's, I have battles with Instagram all the time. Like, do, am, am I going to stay on this platform? It seems like it's viable because it's useful to, for me to connect with people and see what and allow people to see what I'm up to and hopefully be able to connect further. You know, with classes or yeah. workshops. Or, but at the same time, if I catch myself sort of, we have a visitor. We have a visitor. Hold on one second. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. That's all right, mate. Take it easy. So a quick pause there. Oh, wow. They're beautiful. These are for my housemate. And it's very funny what we were just talking about because these are for Gem and she's just started a new position at Christian College. And her team that she used to work with have just given her flowers and they're celebrating her successes. That's a nice, isn't so it? So I feel like that's a nice little segue yeah. into what we were talking about. For sure. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, um, it's nice when, when you get into that rhythm, you know, when you, when you see the good in, in people, you know, you see the good in other people and what they're doing and you celebrate that rather than compare yourself or I should be doing that or why didn't I do that or, mm. yeah. So it's like that, it's that constant, um, it's a beautiful reminder and, and it's habitual, you know, like it's a, it's a conditioned pattern that perhaps, you know, I remember being so competitive, you know, when I try and bring that competitiveness into yoga by looking at what other people are doing or what other studios are doing, which, which is a pattern that I trained for would have been 15 years. Mm-hmm. So I've really strengthened that pattern to be competitive with other people. Um, I definitely wasn't celebrating other people's success when I was when I was not podiuming and in a race and they were podium I was like beating myself up why didn't I podium I should be there I was definitely not celebrating other people's podiums that's for sure I was looking yeah. at ways I could beat them and knock them off the podium but most people would resonate with that attitude yeah which is like it's a conditioned pattern because I think it's like things have become so competitive these days in life mm. only because it's you know, we want to be, there's, there's some, in some degree, I guess everyone wants to feel needed and liked and loved and, and wanted. And it's only a natural, it's a, it's a natural human thing, isn't it? Yeah. 
true to just to to want to feel accepted and valued and 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 liked so i guess you know in any field if if that's the sort of rhythm that you go in with that you want to be liked and you want to feel needed which is totally natural and normal and and it's a good thing but then if someone else is getting all of the like and the love and 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 you're not then of course you're going to feel in some degree the you know resentment or jealousy or there might be those sort of feelings that come up and then natural emotions that come up but the only way to, to untrain that conditioned pattern is to do something different. That's why the celebrating joy is a beautiful on-the-spot practice. So when you see someone do someone, something that's... When you see a business doing really well or when you see a person doing really well in life or you see an Instagram post that's really great, you celebrate in that joy. Mm. And, that, and, that, and that cultivates that feeling of, of warmth and kindness, not only for self but for others. And it's really... It's, it spreads it's, it's, it's really weird that it actually spreads when you th- as soon as you start patterning that then you see it in all aspects you see wins every day wow. so you move through the day and you see wins in, in everything you do rather than the opposite which is like you shut down or you close off or there's some kind of uh, contraction in your body if someone else does something right you know yes. and I think now being a business owner you put everything into the business, like you put your, all of your money into the business. You put all of your, you know, most of your time into you, you into the business in a way that you want people to be having a good experience. So you try it your best. So when you think about it from that, gee whiz, like all you, you just wish that all small business owners do really well. You know, like because you know how hard they go and like how much they invest in it. So you wouldn't want them to see, you wouldn't want them to fail. You know, because they like small business owners like they sacrifice a lot so it's like gee whiz I, I, I like i hope that person does well so that's why competition if you take competition out even like in yoga like if more studios opened in your in torquay i think that's good for yoga yeah. it's not a competition it's good for yoga or if like more people started doing running and, and racing in the same race out it's good for running because it, it elevates everyone together do you know whatever you I mean, they're just two examples, but whatever your example might be, you know, the more people that are doing it, sometimes we get like, oh, there's so many people doing it now, whereas it could be actually cool. Look at all these people doing it, and I'm in it too, and I'm like, I'm a part of this movement, you know, mm. which is which is a cool thing. That's powerful, Ryan. Yeah. Really powerful. I love two things that I always come back to when comparison comes up for me because kind of like you, the social media thing gets me sometimes. And I'm looking at people and I think, wow, they're just doing so well. You know, they're in the sort of similar field to me and I'm just like, wow. And it's hard not to compare myself and think that, wow, I'm just not doing anything, am I? And then I think to myself, swap comparison for inspiration. If Mm. they're doing incredible things, be happy for them and be inspired by them. Don't feel those like negative thoughts or negative feelings because they don't serve me and they don't serve others. And the other one I love is always just collaboration over competition. Mm. Just epic teachings. They are epic teachings. That, I mean, yeah, they're, they're really great. It's fascinating the more you do it, like you said, on the spot, little pockets where you notice, you, you catch yourself in the moment, you're like being com- judgmental or comparing just as there's potential to go down that path and keep comparing and keep judging, there's the same amount of potential to just pause and 
and through the pause there's that that there's a little moment where you interrupt the the momentum of that thought and then there's potential for something different you know there's potential for the loving kindness practice or the joy practice or there's the same potential yet like we we tend to strengthen the ones that we're used to because we know i guess through strengthening the ones that we're used to we we know the outcome of that we know that we can be safe and control you know we can control we can we can judge others and feel safe because that's but but if we do something different which is like send them love or kindness or you know open and and be warm towards whatever it is that's coming up then we don't know the outcome for that so it seems potentially like groundless and it seems there's vulnerability there so i think it's it's more easy to train that engrave that same pattern over and over again Mm. than it is to do something different but once you start doing something different you start to ingrain a different pattern which is the fruits of practicing on the spot you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's it's i think comparison and social media it's all it's all leads to the same thing awakening you know we can use these things as tools to awaken to as tools to because inherently if you think about it and you don't have to buy this stuff but inherently i think there's human beings are kind you know like there's a and and again you don't have to buy it like if you're listening to this and you're like yeah i don't i don't don't know about that you kind of just think that if there's in the depths of like loneliness or, or like if, if someone's experiencing some kind of like challenge, there's a part of you that wants that person to have peace and, and wants, even if you don't know them, even if you see it on the news, there's a part of you, this the inherent kindness within you that wants that person to feel some kind of like relief from their challenge or love or, and I think inherently when you notice that there's kindness, then it's like it's like a blue sky it's always there but we're seeing it through the clouds of of self you know and when you see it through the clouds of self like the world Mm -hmm. then yeah you cloud it because it's like you want to you want to compare yourself with that person or you want you want to be better than that person or you know there's there's so many things that the ego will sort of reach out for to and and you know the egos i guess one word to describe it but it's just inherently it could be that there's a lack of like if i'm if i'm not in a judgmental kind of way but if i'm really full and happy and content then i can celebrate in someone else's joy because there's no lack of i'm okay with how i am right now and the world as it is right now and and i'm just like super happy for that person you know rather than the opposite would be like damn, I need that to be happy, to fulfill some kind of like something within me. Yes. You know, there's a, I'm reaching out for some kind of fulfillment through judging that person or or like comparing myself or judging myself or, you know, wishing that the, 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 the experience is something different than it is, you know. So like when you think about it, the practice of gratitude is a beautiful practice because it shows you that actually – we're pretty like things are pretty cool things are great you know things are cool even there's a teacher called ramdas he's no longer like teaching he's a, he, he passed away a few years ago or maybe it was like last year he's one of my mates teachers he, he lives in jack actually his name's chris he loves ramdas and he chris inspires me to listen and read about ramdas and um Ramdas is all about love. Like, can you love everything? Everything that comes up, can you welcome it and love it? Like, even, and he has, like, these 
he died of uh, he was in a wheelchair. He had like a, a a long sort of process towards his dying, but he was content and happy. And you see some of these gurus in their last years of living, even their last weeks of living, and they're content and they're happy and they have this inner peace. And even their their illness, their, their they love their illness. Like it's it's weird. It's a weird vibe because you're like, oh, actually. You know, and I guess this is where the philosophy can come become really potent in your life because even like the Buddhist philosophy of impermanence, like everything is constantly changing. And you don't have to not buy this because isn't it true? Like try and hold on to something. And that and that's the, what the Buddha's first teachings are based on, like the Four Noble Truth that we're born and there's suffering through birth and we die and we suffer and we grow old, we suffer. We have something that we want we suffer because it changes or we lose it. We don't have something that we want. We suffer because we want it. Like <laughs> life is a constant like um, experience of, and, and this Buddhist teacher, Tao, who taught the other week, he, he said instead of the word suffering, because suffering, when it's translated dukkha, it says, you know, it's called dukkha is sort of the translation, English translation is suffering, but suffering for us, is a pretty harsh word like suffering means pain and like Mm. but it's more just like um dissatisfaction you know like there's a dissatisfaction but when you realize that actually the cause of the dissatisfaction isn't necessarily your experience but the the opinion about the experience Mm. if you're able to let go of your opinion then you let go of the the dissatisfaction and you're satisfied and there's no more suffering you end suffering which is kind of a practice on the spot when you catch yourself, I want that car to be happy. I need that car. Damn, I need that t-shirt, man. I need that t-shirt or whatever it is. Like I need that. I need that Instagram following or that post, or I need a studio or I need, when you start to need that and want that and you think that will fulfill some kind of like, um, dissatisfaction with the current situation, then you're just going to keep feeding the, 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 the wolf of dissatisfaction. And Absolutely. And it's going to get hungrier and hungrier, you know? It becomes a pattern that, yeah. You know, they talk about patterns as, um, it's called the word vasana. So it's like if you, and it's like samskara, which is a, a, a memory. So let's say you go into the pantry. Okay, I'm looking at your pantry. And a nice classic example would be, we're drinking a cup of tea and every time you drink a cup of tea you reach for a square of chocolate right let's say that's your vibe which would be my vibe i'm not saying get chocolate out but that like because i'm trying to undo the pattern that's all right (laughs) so that would be the vasana like that so i've got because last time i drank tea i ate chocolate and it had a good impression on me so it created a memory and so every time i'm now I, i just keep on every time i have a cup of tea i have a square of chocolate so i've created this vasana or this conditioned pattern of being I can't have a cup of tea without a cup. Uh, uh, wow. uh, that's a that's a pattern. Yeah. So the only unwa- the only way to undo a pattern is to do something different. Mm. So when you notice that you need that piece of chocolate to go with the cup of tea, or else the cup of tea is going to be you're going to be dissatisfied with the cup of tea. You could you could like do something different. You could really taste the tea, or you could have a what a, like a square of carob with your tea or you know you could you could do it slowly but you, the only way to break a pattern is to do the opposite or do something different some teachers will say that's the good that's the practice of yoga to undo our conditioned patterns of being and when you do that everything you're open and free and 
there's somewhat what's called Buddha nature. Like you meet experiences in life with an open mind without bringing in your own opinion or conditioning or, you know, which comes up a lot. Like our opinions come up a lot. Oh, yeah. Every second of every day. Yeah. Because of our conditioning. We have an opinion about something and sometimes our opinion is really useful most of the time but sometimes our opinion or our condition pattern is disruptive mm. you know and when it's disruptive then and it might not be disruptive for just you but it could be disruptive for others because if you can't listen to your partner talking about or stacking the dishes in a certain way because you've got an opinion about how the dishes want to be stacked then <laughs> you're going to be disrupted do you know what i mean yes and all of a sudden and that's just that's not the experience of the dishes. They're all going to dry the same way. That's true. But it's your opinion about it, which is causing the suffering, not the dishes. Mm. So things like that, you know, it's interesting. When you start to work with the mind and when you start to hang out with people and they teach you these things and and you don't buy it at the start, like I said, you kind of just try it on and then you're like, oh, yeah, actually, I'm sitting on Punt Road in traffic and it's not so much the traffic that's causing me the suffering. It's more my opinion about this bloody traffic. Do you know what I mean? And then I there's freedom in that, there which is. is kind of cool. Yeah, it just releases you. Yeah. From that like worry and attachment to that feeling of it, and then you go, "All oh, right, this is actually okay." You know? Yeah, I'm completely on board with that. Yeah. I love it. So yeah, it's a it's an interesting concept. The you know peeling, coming back to the social media thing or like the comparison or. Um, it might be a nice on-the-spot practice, you know, like when you notice that you do compare or you notice that something comes up and, and and it's not like you set out, you wake up in the day and you set out to be vindictive or you set out to be judgmental or you set out to be um, critical to yourself or to others, but spontaneously this stuff just comes up. Like in the moment, spontaneously just comes up. And then that's the on-the-spot practice. When you notice that it comes up, change the channel, you know, Cha- change the channel. Yeah, because we can change the channel and that's the cool thing. Do something different. So the technique is on the spot, uh, celebrate joy. Celebrate joy of... And then you start to see the joys in little things, like when someone opens a door for someone or you see the joys in, you you know, sitting here having a cup of tea with, with someone. You start to see it in little things which can be really... That's awakening, you know? It is. It has been for me especially. Like I came from a place where I was like... I had you know, mental illness, depression, and everything kind of seemed really dark and gloomy. But then the moment that someone introduced a gratitude practice into me and like a joy practice, everything started to really lighten up. I yeah. started to notice the beauty in the things around me, the subtle things, mm. the things that I was not even paying attention to before because it was just a cloud over my eyes and just me, 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 me. Mm. Whereas, yeah, I... It just really opened me up to seeing everything else and like now I feel really like in tune and it feels effortless. Yeah. And that's interesting, you know, your book that you were talking about before, um, the cookbook that has like little mindful things and, and like little gratitude notes and so forth. I think that it's it's a really interesting thing to do, like to have little moments of gratitude in the day and it's a ritual, you know, and when we create ritual around whatever it is we strengthen that pattern and most of the time i don't do gratitude on the day every every day because it's i can't be bothered so i strengthen the i can't be bothered pattern do you know what i mean and but but i know that gratitude is 
every day is really good to stop and write three things or to stop and fill in a little note or to stop and just on the spot practice gratitude for and I know it's fulfilling but most of the time it's I can't be bothered so work with the I can't be bothered you know you you start to work with the things that you see your blind spots because you start to see the benefit of some of these things when you do them Mm -hmm. and then you work with the things that undo them Wow. yeah which is cool but I like that book I like the idea of that book let's get it in the studio yeah you're amazing you're making me very happy here um, yeah, hopefully it'll be done pretty soon. Yeah, it sounds like. It's in progress. But even today, I was just adding notes to our little collaboration thing, and hopefully the graphic designer's not going to be too annoyed. But, you know, yeah. just every time I think of something, and I'm just like, I want people to think that. Yeah. You know, like, that it's not about perfection, it's about progress. You know, just these little, like, notes of inspiration in the book that people are just going to be like, oh, yeah, like, I don't have to be so hard on myself. Or, yeah. I can take this slowly and that like so many times through the book I'm like listen to your body just take the time like how are you feeling right now Mm. you know just really like teaching people to tap in a little Mm. bit more and like yeah ask themselves these questions and be a little bit more mindful yeah for sure it's gonna be cool it's good to be of service I mean it sounds like you're in the business of service I think we all are in some degree you know even if we're out to make millions of dollars like I think when it comes to spending those millions of dollars you probably want to share it with other people so you probably at the end of the day we're all in the business of service so it's nice to notice the ripple effect of what you're doing and how that can influence other people and not that you set out for it but you you just it has that potency you know yeah and that capacity I think for me service has always been at the core of everything that I've tried to do and like you know doing a podcast it's service it's mm. you know it's free content for people just because i love it mm. i think it's cool to chat with amazing people like yourself and you know service yeah everything always comes back to that backbone of it but yeah even the service thing like it can it's really important like because i still get nervous when i do things like this mm. but then i remember like when you get nervous focus on service like, yeah that's a good point what, what are you doing like why are you doing it it's not about you it's mm. about the value you're providing for sure. And it always just brings me back to it. It's like, it's not me. Like, remove the ego. There is a point behind this and it's going to help people and it's going to, you know, yeah, change their lives. So I think that's a good point, you know, when you talk to values. Like, a lot of people, um, me included, you know, it, it was for many years I kind of just went through life and I never really understood some of my core values. And one of the things, working with um, some of these business owners like Chris and... Um, Kira from Good Vibes and, and Simon from Happy Mal and these studio owners that are very successful at what they've done mm. and also working with Lululemon, they're very strong on their values. Like they have values and their businesses run purely on their values. Like if they're making a decision, it's based on their values or they come back to the Or if, if they're having like some kind of conflict with the decision, they come back to their values and then the decision is like a no-brainer. It's super clear. Incredible. You know, like to, to, to find your core values, I think... They can be really good, like meaningful um, ways to sort of navigate through life. Like you come back to your values, and your values change, but yeah. you know it's it's nice sometimes to do like a vision and values sort of session or like a yeah. a value session. I remember uh, one of your mates, Gabe and Bree. Yeah. Gabe had a um, has still got a platform called Hey Mate, which you know, um, and. Yeah, we, I, I remember through lockdown, 
it was so nourishing. Like every Friday night, a bunch of guys would get together. He then Gabe went on to do other nights, but I would just do the Friday night and I'd go for a walk around the tan and a lot of the times we'd talk about our values and it was so nourishing. Not only to, when you hear other people talk about your value, their values, you can get clear on your values yeah. and you can get perspective to make it a bit more like what inspires someone will inspire someone else. So yeah. if you're not, if you don't know, if you have no idea about what your values are, I think the pointers are, you know, what some of the people that you that inspire you, what are their values and, and you can sort of, I don't know, like the characteristics you see in them, perhaps you see in yourself or it was just an interesting time, like that lockdown period, like the the whole value setting and just it was cool. Like big hats off to Gabe. He was he was a dude during um during this he definitely built a beautiful platform and then again that's service you know like there's so many crew that are just wanting to be a part of something because when you're a part of something you feel that sort of i don't know there's there's less me versus everyone or less like being a part of something can be really fulfilling don't you think oh i don't believe that we are meant to be alone like i say like we are meant to be surviving as a tribe. I feel mm. like evolution tells us that, except we grow up, we build homes with fences that segregate us, that keep us from people. You know, we live alone sometimes. I feel like we're doing so many things to keep us out of community. Mm. And I think the process of stepping back into community and allowing yourself to be vulnerable, because that's also a really vulnerable thing, is mm. allowing other people to help you you know allowing yourself to lean on others and things like that like that's a huge step but i think that's power there's power there for sure yeah the ability to uh to be vulnerable i think the more you do it the more i mean that yeah i've noticed that a, a change in myself even like the more i'm able to sort of talk about my feelings and emotions or talk to like growing up as a kid i never really did that with my mates or I felt it was like, oh, that's that's not like, you know, the stereotypical, what the stereotypical male will do, you know, talk about feelings, emotions or whatever it is. But the more you sort of scratch the surface of that, the more it becomes the norm. You know, again, it's that pattern of um, and then really nourishing thing, conversations can come out of it, you know, and then you learn about yourself. And that's the thing. Like, you, how do you learn? You learn through things like this, the stories, people's stories and people's stories. experiences. And then you... You don't necessarily learn from their story, but you kind of relate your story to their story. Oh, yeah, that's kind of like, yeah, I see that rhythm. Or, you know, I see that sort of uh, how that goes or how that's gone in my life too. That's why podcasts were so foundational to me when they first started to become a huge thing. Mm. I was listening to people's stories and I could connect with them. And I was like people telling stories about their childhood and Mm. things that had happened and also the inspiration you get mm. hearing how far they've come as well. Like that was so important to be able to resonate with, you know, to have that. I think when vulnerability is shared, then that's when connection happens. Mm. So I'm like, I feel more connected to myself knowing that someone else out there has also gone through the same thing. Yeah. Shared experience. Cause it makes yeah. it bigger than you. And that's one of the, um, that's one of the Buddhist practice actually, when you, so when you have a, some kind of strong feeling or emotion come up or even like, let's, let's, you know, you have some kind of, if you, if you know, if you, if you send it out and you, you don't 
send it in. So for instance, like you notice the feeling, you feel sadness arising and you're able to sort of experience sadness. Then you wish that all the people that were experiencing the same sadness as you would have relief from your from the sadness. Then you kind of share it. It's a shared experience. And then that not only like it, it kind of relieves the, it, it opens for you as well. Like it, it's less dense, you know, or whatever it is, like jealousy, fear, anger, you know, whatever comes up, every feeling and emotion is workable. Um, but yeah, the shared experience is, a, is an interesting thing, you know, you share it out, like what you were saying, you know. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind being a little bit vulnerable with me for mm. a minute, if that's okay. You mentioned earlier that running for you was a type of escapism. Yeah. And that it was like a savior for me. You. Yeah. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, um, I remember when my parents split up and um, when I was younger, and it was always just like, no matter what it was, actually, it kind of started there. Like running became a way to sort of, um, it became, it was like normality in the middle of like chaos you know and whenever there's normality it, you know it was is it was easier the simplicity with running one foot in front of the next you know one foot in front of the next so whenever there was challenge it was like there was running you could look at it in two ways like running could be something that was like i was running away from things like you know and then like yeah. when i look back at it, i kind of was in a way you know like i wasn't and then i kind of took that into my early 20s like with relationships and that when and whenever anything got like a little bit heated or hard or challenging, I would just like close the chapter and run away from that and like go to the next. I was never really willing to work things out or like like stay around or because it was easier to run because I knew that I knew that I knew I was in control when I ran, you know, like I had and I probably still have like some kind of control issues in, in, in a way that sometimes I like things to go as they as I know they should go, you know, which is like still things that I'm working with. We all work with certain things, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so running was like, it, it was a means, it was a savior to sort of run away from things, you know, whether it was a challenging time at home or whether it was a challenging time with um, a, a partner or something like that. It was, it was always like, it was a condition pattern. And then I just got good enough that I was running so fast that I was, fell into representing Australia. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. I, I enjoyed the competitive side of it and it became, it gave me some real direction. You know, I was just kicking around skateboarding and not really having that much direction. Um, so it gave me like direction. And then I had some role models, like my, my coach, my early coach, John Ma was a beautiful role model. Like he sort of, I don't know, he just sort of guided me to, to run and train and, and get in the crew and and just he gave me a lot of self-belief and i think with that you know it, it, it lends itself to other aspects of your life and how did i overcome like running away from things i don't know i just I, mean, I was going to ask but yeah yeah like i just kind of realized that and i still sometimes it's easier to run away from a problem than it is to go into it but i noticed that the more i ran away from things the problems just sort of amplified I, I, you know they just get harder even like those difficult conversations that you have to have sometimes with people like you know if it's a a friendship breakup or or, or you're, you're talking to a colleague or you're talking to I mean, remember being a school teacher I, I 
I really didn't want conflict with the kids. I was always trying to make kids feel good, not like have some kind of conflict because you know, the students been wagging school or something. I'd try and like avoid it. Avoid it. I'd avoid <laughs> it. I'd be like, oh, that'd be right. Let's just let them keep going. As like, <laughs> you know, like because you didn't want to have that conversation. Conflict. But then it just got louder. It amplified. And so I noticed that the more I ran away from things, the more things amplified. Yet when I stayed and, and was able to sort of meet things like and face things, it, well, they weren't so bad. There was this interesting story, actually. Um, like a psychologist was telling it, and the psychologist had this patient that was, or patients that were always like having these really vivid nightmares. Like they'd wake up the next morning in a hot sweat, you know, because of the nightmares and think this was on an iris training it was like a meditation training that i heard this story because i was talking about how um you know that old saying what's that this is one of the ones that comes up on instagram we're talking about before it's like what you resist will persist mm. you know which yes. is so true but then then the idea is what you turn towards opens and shifts <sighs> you know so like if you keep resisting and pushing something away or running away from something it just kind of persists and it gets louder. But if you turn towards something, then there's if there's if it opens and shifts because you meet it and it opens, yeah. and it you know, and most of the time it's not as bad as you painted the picture anyway. Like it's it opens and you have a conversation and it kind of shifts the energy shifts. Um, so this psychologist was talking about like how her patients and and this one patient in particular particular and they were like. I just can't, like, I've got these monsters chasing me at night and I'm running and running and I'm running and I just wake up in this hot sweat. And the psychologist is like, okay, so tonight when this happens, which is going to happen because it's every night, before you wake up in a hot sweat, all I want you to do is run away from them. But before you wake up, just turn around and just have a look at these monsters. And, and when you come in tomorrow, to tell me what the monsters look like. So she did and she, she came in, she was like... <laughs> My gosh, it shifted. Like I turned around and, and it was like the monsters had these cute little teddy bear faces. And it was like, you know, like when you turn and meet something, mm-hmm. most of the time, you know, we have this negative bias mind or whatever it is. And it always goes towards the, the it'll shift towards, it's a protective me- mechanism, right? It will yeah. go towards the fear base or the thing that could go wrong rather than, yeah. you know, so having conflict with people. Yeah, you always look at what could go wrong, but actually it could really... Like if you've ever had conflict with a partner or a parent or a student, if you're a teacher, sometimes that fosters a really stronger, a strong relationship. You can start to overcome things and, and start to see different p- opinions and perspectives. And, you know, so I think that's lovely. Yeah, that's where I sort of started my running, running away from things. It's funny. Yeah. But oh. now I'm running towards things, you know, like. I know, at first. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of cool. I'm not, um, I'm. I don't really feel like I, um, I'm an open book, you know, I can share lots of different things these days, whereas like, I would never, I would just sort of avoid conversations about mm. important things, you know, I just, it was, it, but it's only been, the only way you get comfortable with anything is you become familiar with it. So I've become yeah. familiar with this sort of stuff, um, yeah. having conflict or difficult conversations. I mean, I'm still not good with difficult conversations, let's face it. Like, I, I don't like letting people down yeah. or I don't like, you know, I, I don't, I just want people to be happy and, and feel good. So I still, that's probably a weak spot. I, I struggle with 
So I don't know how I'm going to go with being a business owner because <laughs> sometimes you've got to have conversations, but I just want people to be happy. Do you know what I mean? I know, I'm aware, so I can do something different. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. I think what you're saying before, like that feels like the core of like anxiety in a way. It's like constantly wanting to like run away from meeting things head on because you're so concerned with like what might happen and you're coming from that really like fear-based approach. And I used to experience that. But what you said before was just like, yeah, that just hit me as like I stopped and I started to do that. Like, yeah. And being like a lot of people who listen to my podcast experience anxiety mm. and just being like just do it like mm. instead of sitting with that feeling for a really long time and being really nervous about having to have that conversation with someone just do like if you're terrified about going to that yoga class tomorrow morning because you know you haven't done that before like just do like mm. get put your shoes on lay your yoga clothes out before bed and just go like, see how you feel when you get there. Was it as hard? Was it amazing? Are you so thankful that you were there? Like, these are the little things that I started to do. It's like, if you're afraid to have the conversation or if you're afraid to ask someone, I always think to myself, well, you lose nothing by asking. Mm. You lose everything by sitting in that same position and not asking them or not putting yourself out there because you're going nowhere. But by asking you if I can do something and you say yes, well, then I can move in that direction. But once I have the answer of no, then I know I can pivot and go in another direction. Mm. So like that stagnancy of like, yeah, being afraid to make the commitment, being afraid to like with that anxiety. Yeah. And I get it. Like I, I, I totally get it because I mean, it takes a certain character to be able to say, you know what, like it, uh, it's scary, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because like, you know, it's challenging to do that. But I think sometimes also like the, if, if anxiety is coming up, we we're talking about this one before. Like, if anxiety comes up or fear comes up, then that's really workable. You know, the the anxiety is what you work with. Like, you kind of and there's technique. You know, you just kind of experience anxiety in the body. Where do you feel it? Breathe, breathe with the anxiety, and just what what does it feel like? And and just kind of meet anxiety where it is, mm-hmm. and you allow anxiety to be there. You know, and and if you can allow anxiety to be there, you don't want anxiety. It's like Chris, my. Chris Wilson, he used to say, invite it in for a cup of tea and sit it down and let it be there. And it's just like, it, it can it can be here as the part of the experience and you're not trying to push it away mm-hmm. because it kind of like, so when anxiety comes up and you're like, I don't want to do that yoga class tomorrow, then just work with the anxiety, like just sit with your anxiety and just get a sense of, you know, from a felt experience, how does it feel? And and it's kind of like a welcoming presence like you welcome anxiety and it's like it's part of your experience it is you it's 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 not you but it's it's a part of everything that's arising which is you everything that arises comes up spontaneously and it's not you because it's fleeting it goes but it's part of your awareness in that moment like it's coming up and and if you can allow yourself to sort of sit with it and and welcome anxiety then perhaps uh you can go to the yoga class and be anxious and still and just be okay with anxiety you know like be be okay that anxiety oh there's anxiety and it's it's your friend you become friends with anxiety rather than like you don't need to change anxiety anxiety is is the pathway again for awakening because you notice that anxiety is just a feeling that like you can have this feeling but it doesn't have you you know like you're it's your friend um it's here you can 
that's that Ram Das teaching, like love everything that comes up, everything, <laughs> even anxiety. Love anxiety, love, and it's hard because you want to get rid of anxiety. Yeah. But the more you want to get rid of it, then all the, all, it's like the more it tightens or the more, it, you know, like, and when you love it and then you can change the pattern. So there's two ways, like you, like you did the resilient way, you just like, I'm scared. You know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to jump off the bungee. You know, I'm going to jump. It just doesn't work for everyone. Yeah. And then the other way might be like, you know, anxiety is here and anxiety is okay. Like this is right here. This is, this is like emotions are asking to be heard. You know, I'm just going to listen and listen to you. Anxiety is just, um, you're my friend and I'm here for you. What is it that you like? I'm here for you, buddy. It's a different flavor, you know? And it's like, and then it's like, ah, yeah because if the goal of life was happiness which is a genuine goal like i, I want to be happy i'm sure do you want to be happy yes i'm sure we all want to be happy but if the goal is purely happiness then there's no depth and there's no color like there's it's it's monotonal like mm. you know like then if the goal of life is to be happy then what happens when sadness comes up or what happens with so all of these emotions are add to living like it's it's experiencing life as it's occurring and this is a really beautiful teaching because um things can come up but you stay open you don't shut down you, you, things come up but you don't go up things go down but you don't go down the things come up and it's just they, they come up and they're a part of your experience of living life as it's happening you know which is a which is the goal of life is to live right yeah. so you want to experience all that life has to offer not just that that was the teach yeah that's a nice I, I i dig that teaching you know i love that teaching because it's like everything even like challenge and adversity like if if life didn't give you challenge and adversity like you should there's there's gratitude for everything that comes up it's 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 a friend it's there for like just wants to be heard you know like it's mm-hmm. uh their teachings that um yeah they're, they're, they're interesting teachings to because the the challenge becomes the challenge happens when you're right in the pocket of anxiety to remember this stuff and to do it you know like yes. right in the middle of like anger or anxiety or depression or whatever emotion is coming up for you mm. right in the middle of that it's hard to see outside of any of it because you totally feel it's got like you've got the filter of anxiety it's, you're seeing through the clouds of anxiety so allow anxiety to be there and just breathe mm. and then your your experience is anxiety it couldn't be anything else it could it really it couldn't be anything else because it's just anxiety is happening right there and that's a pathway to awakening because you're awake you're open and that's the that's the teaching of equanimity wow. equanimity is like things come up but they don't they don't escalate like you stay open you don't yeah. shut down you don't, don't close off you stay open to your experience, you know. Equanimity is like a beautiful way to navigate life with. There's a sense of... And I always thought that equanimity was like having a strong, a tough skin, like things, you don't feel things, or you're just like a warrior, and equanimity is just like things just kind of like don't affect you. But things come up, but you stay open with with your experience, and you don't shut down or you don't close off. So... I think welcoming and and a friendly attitude towards anxiety is more of staying open. You're here, you stay with me, buddy. Like, it's okay. Like, I'm I'm here to listen. You know, like everything is cool. Like, be here for as long as you want. Well, yeah. 
you're my mate, you know, you make friends with, with, with your emotions and that's equanimity open, you know? That's amazing. Yeah. I do. And I'm loving the, the welcoming presence of our emotions and allowing ourselves to sit with them and like ask them like, Hey, like, why are you here? Mm. You know, like, what can I learn from you? You know, I think that's a beautiful way to get to know yourself a little bit better too. Yeah. Because Pema Chodron, a Buddhist teacher, will teach this that um, the, if you if you think about emotions as energy, so mm. you know this is a nice sort of way to think about it. That, um, like, right in the depth of loneliness, it has the same feeling as the depth of happiness. It's just energy, and it's just yeah. occurring. You know, right in the depths of loneliness, there's freedom. Right in the depth of happiness, there's freedom. Like, wherever you go with your emotions, in the depths of it all, like if you go beyond the content of the mind and you go into the depth of, the, the real depth of loneliness, there's such a freedom there. There's like, you know, like... There is. And anxiety could be the same, you know, like if you just let let it be there and go into it and feel it and breathe and... and and not wish it be anything else and just mm. you know then life is life is 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 open you're open to living you know you're not looking for something that's not that's outside the current situation which is the problem potentially it is you know i always like when i was learning last year a lot about energy my teacher beck she runs zero point yoga here in ocean grove and she said to us that like you were just saying a lot of the emotions actually vibrate at a similar level and you can actually transfer one form of energy just say it's like anxiety what does that normally feel like physically for you does it feel like a nervous feeling in your stomach like are you sweating is your blood pressure raised what other positive emotion we would say positive also feels the same way and that's excitement you know, like there's that energy within mm. you that you're really, oh my gosh, I'm a little bit nervous. This is really exciting. I'm about to do something. It's that, you know, energetic, bubbly, yeah. you know, butterflies in your stomach. And she was saying that if we focus in on that feeling that we can actually transmute our feelings and we can actually, you know, bring that into a new yeah, way of feeling. Yeah. It's really cool. And you, and you start to realize that actually feelings and emotions don't have a strong hold on your experience like you're just experiencing them but it's light it's not so heavy you know like there's a practice called opposites practice which is Mm -hmm. if you're feeling like you could do the most simplest one would be feel somewhere that's warm in your body you could feel it right now like if you just kind of feel into your body and like where is it feeling warm and then kind of let that warmth be there and then sort of just scan your body and notice where it might feel a little cool in your body right now, like anywhere it might be. And then you kind of go between the two. So you notice warmth and then you notice cool. And you can notice that the both they both happen, it can happen at the same time. So you start to what's called like you disidentify with the, with the, you're less hooked by, this is in Buddhism called Shempa, when you're hooked by the emotion you become less hooked and it's like you allow it's like like anger might show up as a, ten, a warmth in the belly mm-hmm. 
and so you experience warmth in the valley and then you might experience like happiness as like a warmth in the heart and you can notice that those two can so you for a moment you kind of just break the momentum of anger and you experience it as energy and it has less of a hook quality when you take away the hooked quality then it can be there and it doesn't have its pull so much on you you know like it's so freeing it's yeah it could, it could everything can be there everything will be there spontaneously things come up but they don't if you take away the hooked quality then you're open you know you stay open yeah. you, you stay in your experience mm. i love that we're talking about this because like having emotional intelligence is so so important for us yeah and we're not necessarily taught these things mm. you know and a lot of people are really, like i know people really struggle to even identify what they're feeling in the moment because mm. they don't take the time to really like ask themselves or to actually like feel it they just let it sort of take over them and everything in their environment becomes that for sure i see it in yoga a lot like it starts somewhere even if it's just feeling your hand rubbing against your leg it's a feeling and it can start there and then it can get a little bit more subtle and more subtle and you know feeling your breath and then feeling your emotion in yoga they talk about the koshas Mm. so like they go through the five layers in some models they have six layers of being and it's more subtle each time so the most i guess um tangible kosher or level of being would be the physical body the outer sheath which is easy to feel and then it's a little bit more subtle but you could feel the breath which is not as easy to feel as the, the body but you could feel it and then you go into the mind and the, the thoughts and emotions and and it just keeps on getting more and more subtle right so yeah you're right some it would be easy to go through the whole day and not feel anything yes to have your attention constantly buffeted by thinking and 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 not really feel anything so it's a nice practice to drop from thinking into feeling why that's why boxing is good or running is good or surfing is good or walking is good or yoga is good because sometimes you kind of feel things yeah you know you just you drop from thinking and you're in the feeling body and all of a sudden you just that's why movement sometimes can be medicine you know yeah but i also think in turn that's also why some people are really scared of doing those things Mm. people tend to shy away from you know the the yoga or the running because they are so present in their thoughts mm. well and in their body which can be scary for some people yeah for sure would you find that in a yoga practice sometimes with people um yeah sometimes there's there's a level of um uh, I don't know. I think when, when people come in to commit to a class, I mean, everyone, the good thing about yoga is it kind of meets you where you are. That's what I love about this practice. The yoga practice meets you where you are. Whether you're first time and you, you don't know your left to your right, like you, you feel something in the class, whether it's just you feel your feet on the ground or your breath. or And there probably is a level of a moment where you go from thinking into feeling. Like my teacher would always say, you can't do both at the same time. Like if you look at your hand and you kind of feel from your hand, you're not thinking about your hand, you're feeling from your hand, you can't think and feel at the same time. Like so you probably, everyone would probably have an experience of feeling something. Yoga, the asana side of things definitely would encourage people to feel things because, and that's a good thing about asana, right? Because it, or pranayama, it teaches you to feel the breath. Meditation, maybe it's a little bit more subtle, but you feel it's, 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 encouraging you to feel your emotions and feel you know like you're talking about as energy in the body that's a really that's an advanced like if someone can't feel their body then that's that's going to be an advanced practice for them so it, it, you it won't meet them there you know like that practice won't meet them there but 
the asana would yeah. you know like just moving cat cow moving the spine and yeah. connecting with the breath or something like that so yeah. i think you know i used to be really um i definitely was intimidated by yoga when i started because i was an athlete i couldn't touch my toes i was super like um so i was thinking well i'm gonna go into this yoga class and feel like a goose because like i'm so tight my body's so tight and it's just gonna be a room full of women in hot pants like with their head their legs over their head you know like and i was like that's what was my idea of yoga yeah and um but then i went into yoga and i was like actually this is really cool i dig it like there was something about it that was beyond the physical mm-hmm. you know there was something about it that yeah it was just like maybe it was getting more in touch with i don't know something I, i'm not too sure i can't my mind can't conceptualize the what it was but like yoga there was something in yoga that was so you're right you know like it's it's, sometimes it is intimidating for people it's definitely intimidating for me but when you start to yeah i was so scared of it and whatever it is even like brie and gabe running the finisher Mm -hmm. you know i have or my mates ben and matt that run and a couple other crew run this running group called a and pm these are these are um community run groups and and the cater for all levels even if you're walking a dog come along but it's intimidating because you think you're going to be last and you think you're yeah. going to you're going to people are going to have to wait for you and you think that you're going to look like a goose and yeah. people aren't going to want you back and you're going to be the standout but again negative bias mind it always goes towards the the worst case scenario you know and then everyone who goes to the finisher or ampm or all any of these community run crews they breathe a big sigh of relief when they get in their car. As soon as they finish the run, they're like, what the hell? Why, why have I not, have I not been here? Exactly. Like, you know. That was my exact experience too. For sure. Mm. So the only way that you realize is you go through it. Yeah. And, but that's the challenge, going through it. Mm. But it's okay to not go through it as well. Exactly. Just to be able to sit with your anxiety and experience anxiety. That's cool too. You know, like that's that is just as 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 um there's just as much merit i think in in that you know definitely it can be something that you work up towards yeah you know? like if one morning you put all your shoes on and you're like okay i'm feeling it i can get this done and as far as you get is the front door mm. that's awesome yeah like meet yourself where you are if the next week you set that alarm and you get up the next time you get in the car and then that's as far as you go yeah awesome but yeah just like the same that was probably me telling the truth just then actually like my biopic of how of me going to the finisher for the first time probably mm. was because i was terrified for sure i was i'm not a runner i i do feel as though i'm a bit of a gangly goose yeah and i was really nervous that it wouldn't be okay for me to walk mm. but when i finally got up the guts to go i realized that it was just this community of beautiful warm loving people who wanted to get to know you walk beside you even if they were running and yet i was never left behind that's right never and and i think when you challenge yourself in that capacity you grow as an individual as well not to say that you can't grow in other levels but what you know sometimes it's challenging to be challenged in life these days you know if you just when you ride life in from the seat of comfort yeah oh yeah find the discomfort yeah i mean it's cool to be comfortable um but even that level of just 
setting your shoes out at the start and not going is still you, you there is a level of uncomfort um you know discomfort because you're setting your shoes out you yeah. know and that's breaking the pattern like we yeah. were talking about before the sleeping in and continuing yeah. to you know ignore that alarm like that's following the pattern yeah but just by putting your shoes out that's breaking the pattern for sure i mean if anything keeps knocking at your door you explore it, you know, like if yeah. the finish or if, if, if running or if yoga or if mindfulness, if it keeps on showing up for you, mm. it could be something to explore, you know, like that's oh, the yeah. thing. If it kind of just shows up once and doesn't, there's other, there's lots of things to do, but mm. um, I think whatever sh- keeps knocking at your door, you should open it. Definitely. I look for the coincidences, the synchronicities now, and I wonder like if that's showing up for me over and over again, then that's probably a reason. Hmm. And when I do follow it and I like lean into it, all really amazing stuff starts to light up and happen for me. For it's sure. It's really powerful. Mm. I love it. Definitely. I'm the same vibe. Mm. Now, I was wondering, I know we've been talking for yonkers, but I feel like there's just so much more we could go into. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about why you started yoga. Because yeah. in my research of you, I did see that potentially you had had a bit of an accident yeah that's right so i was um at the time running um i'd taken i'd since taken on duathlon which is like a running right uh, triathlon and duathlon both um this race uh i got injured i i got hit by a motorbike when i was on my bike um this was like two weeks before world championships and this was probably the darkest patch of my life actually when because I had so much identity as an athlete, like I was an athlete. I I prided myself of as being like undefeated in Victoria and and only a couple of times in Australia and and, and like I had this identity of this is me and like and then all of a sudden I was um, knocked for six and I was in a hospital bed and I had a broken hip and and um, and then all of a sudden I lost that identity. You know I, I couldn't race anymore. I couldn't train and. I didn't like I lost my place in the world you know like we spoke about having purpose like I lost my purpose yeah. so um what did that feel like I mean it, it was heavy at the time but I I kind of just I I think there was a part of me that believed that I could come back to being an athlete mm-hmm. even though the the doctor because I had hit like problems in my hip like broken bones and and cartilage and so forth and had operations and things like that so there was a, the doctor sort of said man like your running is done like you're not going to be running because you have arthritis in your hip so i was like Whoa. And, I, I, and i looked up to athletes like lance armstrong and all those crew who'd come back from adversity and yes. like you know and i was like nah man like that's not going to happen i'm going to go for it so i looked at all the ways i could rehab my hip i did pilates and i did um, water running and water aerobics I did and then my friend opened a yoga studio <laughs> and she was like she was giving me treatment her name's Rosie she owned a studio called Rise Yoga in Richmond she was giving me treatments for um, for my hip and I was the worst patient ever like I just had no patience at all like she'd be we'd do a Pilates session she'd be giving me some clinical stuff and like 10 minutes in I was like I'm going, man. This is terrible, and I'd waste her time. And I'd be like, "This is this is the worst." Because I wanted like to, I just wanted to get back too quick. Yeah. And she goes, "Come to yoga," and I've just opened a studio, so I went and did yoga. And the first time it was like, "Ah, oh, this is okay. It's not super challenging." And then 
she there was a Bikram studio up the road and I went to Bikram and I was like, My God, this is more like my thing. I was sweating and like I wanted that like that feeling. Yes. But then I kept going back to Rosie's studio and I met some cool teachers who are some of my good friends now. And there was this young teacher, her name was Rowie. And I remember she was playing like, um, she was playing some like some, some kind of house music in a yoga class. And I was really? like, what's this? This chick's cool. And she had some kind of, she just had a good persona, you know. Yeah. Um, and I was like, this is pretty cool. I like it. And, and I just kept going back to yoga. And then I lived in Bali for a couple of years and I did a teacher training over there. Whoa. And then I came back and I was a school teacher. I took like long service leave. And then I came back and just started teaching yoga on the side. And the yoga started to really escalate, like grow and get big in Melbourne and Australia. And Definitely. I was in it at the right time. I started in like 2000 and would have been like 13 or 14. Wow. And so there wasn't many yoga teachers that were males at the time no. so I just started getting these great opportunities and from that you know one door opens the other door opens I, I, I wanted to be a school teacher and after my athletic career but then yoga became so good I kind of fell into it you know like I said it just yeah. happened and now I'm a full-time yoga teacher and I had to quit a job that I loved I loved teaching school it was like yeah. I was the head of sport I was like just enjoyed going on camps with kids and going like taking students away for like um sporting events and big exchanges and training the cross-country team and i just love that whole like rhythm of of school you know like not so much academia but Mm. i mean i taught you 12 pe but i was more into like the the sporting side of things yeah and then uh, community things like groups and teams for sure and taking students away and giving them opportunities to be part of the team be part of something outside of the you know family or their small friendship group it was cool but then i yeah i resigned from school would have been 2000 and maybe 16 and then became a full-time yoga teacher probably been doing for so for the last i was teaching for probably like three years and been full-time for four or five i feel like so many people believe that it's just not possible to be a full-time yoga teacher Definitely is, it's it's definitely is, um, yeah, hundred percent. Like, yeah. but you have to give it time. Like, you have to have you have to have a passion for yoga, and you're not there to teach and be a full time yoga. I've noticed that like a lot of the crew that come out of teacher trainings and that they just want to go straight into full time. Took me no jokes like three and a half years to transition from being a school teacher to teaching classes in the morning, going to teach school, then teaching classes at night, teaching cool. on the weekend. Like you're working a lot, but you. Yeah just because you have a passion for yoga and then it just the balance tip that there was so much yoga and so many opportunities in yoga i thought well i might give yoga a try full time and it just so happens that there's a lot of potential for that but i think you need to transition slowly like and and still have a love for yoga you know because if a lot of your full-time yoga teachers will teach 15 to 20 to 25 classes a week and there's no time to practice there's no time to study you you kind of like get burnt out by the whole yoga thing because it's very asana um not in a bad way like asana can be a a path for awakening as well but um i've noticed in melbourne it's very asana heavy you know melbourne surf coast wherever you are victoria australia it's like if you ask someone hey have you practiced yoga today they'll say no, I didn't go to the studio. I didn't do... They'll see it as a physical thing, you know? Yes. 
Whereas if you say, oh, hey, I didn't practice, did you practice yoga today and you're in India? They'll be like, yeah, I, I sat for probably 25, 30 minutes. Like their practice is meditation. Yeah. Like everyone has a different perspective. of Even the mindfulness, like mm. yeah, before I ate, like I thanked my food and I mm. tasted every single like bite and, you know, I tasted the textures. Like yeah. that's yoga. That's your mindful practice today. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like we have, we've just sort of, caught on to this one element of yoga which there's which is yeah which is cool like i dig the physical because it can be it can the physical will shake out like some of that conditioning and so forth and expose a certain blind spots and it feels good (laughs) and it connects me to my body and my breath and there's some level of um connection and from that i can grow in other areas of connection but yeah, there's definitely lots of layers of yoga. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to sort of like have them all integrated. Yeah. You know, like, I love it when a teacher will bring in like a philosophy or like a, you know, a concept mm. and they'll teach that to the students before, you know, the class starts. Mm. And, you know, even if it's just like one minute of them saying something, at least they're also just building upon people's knowledge of yoga too. For sure. And then in the end, like they have an intention for practicing or, mm. or there's some kind of focus on breathing or... It goes beyond, and I remember a good a teacher once said to me because I was like into teaching philosophy, and and I was just like kind of getting over it because I loved the philosophy so much, but it seemed like everyone just wanted to, because I'd be like, I'd prepare like philosophy for days and just like be writing notes and be up at all hours in the night like studying and that, and then I'd turn up to an asana class and give them a dynamic asana practice. And then I'd, some of my mates would be in it and I'd be like, how did the philosophy land for you? And they'd be like, oh, did you talk about, what did you talk about today? I can't even remember. No. You know, like it was that, because everyone was so into the us and I, not in a bad way, but I was just kind of like, oh man, this just is not landing for crew. Like people are just so into the us and I. But then other people are into it. And, I, and, and then the teacher said to me, um, they're like, give them what they want until they need what you have to give. So give them the us and give them the us and but just pepper in some, things that that and that sort of you know um struck a note with me this was probably about four years ago i can't remember who the teacher was that said it to me but but i took it whoever the teacher is uh, i'm sending them love right now because i took it and i ran with it you know and it's like yeah because a lot of crew will finish teaching uh, finish your teacher training and Mm. one of their first gigs might be in a gym teaching like stretching so it's like you got to give them stretching. You can't give That's them like want. 20 minutes of philosophy. But you know what? Sometimes you give them stretching, but in the moment when it feels right or if it's poignant, give them what they need. You might give them the breath or a little bit of philosophy or, yes. you know, it depends on what inspires you. Yeah. But it's going to, no matter what inspires you, it's going to come out because it inspires you. It's going to naturally come yeah. out, you know? And that becomes a part of you. Like, yeah. I myself am really building myself up slowly to teaching. Um, and I just already know that there's so many ways that like I want to teach and instill things in people. But mm. I always think like, ooh, I'm gonna have to do that slowly because I feel like what you were saying before, like some people just aren't ready to meet that stuff yet. You know, but yep. I think the beautiful thing about like the way that you would teach that, you know, someone else would teach, the way I'll teach would be very individual. Mm. It's very us. For sure. Yeah. And that's what makes it so um, rewarding for you as a teacher. You come back because it fulfills you and it makes you... Like, there's no, there's nothing better than teaching a class that's really from your own heart and from, you know, it's from your own experience and from mm. what you're learning. Because at the end of the day, we're just all students 
like teaching what we're learning and that that's the, the teacher element of being a oh, student yeah. you, you're teaching what you're learning so it's nice to teach what you learn because there's that shared experience you learn something you want other people to learn it with you because you, yeah. you're motivated by it you love it and you're like oh i want everyone to sort of get the vibe of this because it's so useful yeah so and then if you have that vibe then you're going to show that in your teaching you know like yeah, that excitement that like Passion. Yeah, passion for what you do. Yeah. It shows up. I see it a lot in yoga teachers, you know, like they have a passion for one specific thing and they're mm-hmm. and they're not dogmatic about it. They're just like they just get on with it and they do they teach but they teach from that the heart. That's that's what's called teaching from the heart. Like yoga was very much always teaching from the heart, it was just basically wow. teaching from the that felt sense of inspiration, you know, from yeah. what, what is inspiring you. It could be cups of tea it could be whatever like you know like yeah whatever it is that you you're learning i think there's something really powerful about like teaching or just like using our giftings Mm. in a very unique way to serve the world you know if like your unique thing is yoga and running like how can you serve the world by using both of those things yeah and you've found so many numerous ways that it just landed in your lap to do so yeah and i'm sure that you've helped countless people along the way yeah, it's interesting. You don't think you set out to help people. You kind of just do things, but people are grateful, you know? Like, so grateful. I remember a run group, the first run group we ever had was a... I was sponsored by a brand by the name of Two Times You as an athlete at the time. <laughs> I've heard of it. Two Times brand. You, yeah. We, and, and we had a run group back in... It would have been 2000 and probably like five or six. And um, every Saturday and every Wednesday we'd meet up. And there was probably like 12 of us. And like these ladies are still mostly ladies, and they they're they're still running, and they're like in their sixties and seventies now. Oh my god! And they're just like the they all we sometimes catch up, we have like little lunches, but and they and they still ring me after a marathon, and they're like, oh, I had your words in my head the whole run, and I was like, what was I saying? I can't remember. And they'll tell me something that was from like fifteen years ago, and I'm just oh my like. Gosh that's intense you know that makes you want to keep doing what you're doing made an impact yeah which is cool wow yeah that's, that's why so i think school teaching is so such a, a beautiful mm. occupation you know like i think there's a lot of teachers that are just starting out and yeah, they, they can have such a I, you remember you, i'm sure you remember some of your old school teachers oh, that yeah. had an influence on you right a hundred percent yeah and it's kind of like they didn't set out they just did their thing but like that's you true. everyone has their teacher every student has their teacher you know so true at the end of the day they were just doing their job but to us and to someone like something they did or said or made you feel has stuck with you and yeah has made yeah your life different for sure that's so cool yeah never really thought of it like that before yeah and who knows like how many people will read your book and you don't even know that you've made an impact but Mm. if you're putting something out there it has a ripple effect you know it might ripple to one person to two they might tell a friend about something that they read and they might not even reference you but it's a ripple you know yeah well that's the thing it's just like knowledge yeah i feel like my job is not to be like an activist or anything like that or throw things in people's faces it's just this really like here's a lesson take it if it serves you or you know, yeah leave it pass it along like the bigger we can build this like level of consciousness for sure yeah that ripple yeah I've had a rad conversation with you today. Yeah, thanks. I didn't even know the mic was on at the start. I was just like rambling. I, I checked it on and I was just like, sometimes we'll have a little pre-talk. Then I was like, you know what? This is just... Let's keep going. Straight into it. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked. Oh, 
I'm yeah, really, really honest to God, really, really pleased to that you came here and thanks for having me in your home and having a cup of tea. The ginger tea was on point. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Thanks so much. Would you tell the listeners where they can find you? (laughs) Ryan has just spilt said tea all down his top. Um, the listeners can find me if you're in Torquay I have a studio called It's All Yoga which is in Torquay um, on Baines Crescent near this Ripkill shops um, and if you practice yoga in Melbourne you can find me at Good Vibes Yoga Yoke Yoga and Happy Melon Yoga so a little bit around town just Tuesdays and Wednesdays I've cut it down I'm in Torquay a bit more now it's just fun yes. yeah amazing for us down here but... for sure so incredible, definitely worth getting amongst Ryan and all of his goodness and that you're spreading out to this world. I'm very grateful that you've been here and I'm sure the listeners are going to be too, so thank you. Thank you for having me. I don't know about you, but learning about Ryan's journey has given me so much inspiration. Right down to his incredible ways of rewiring his thoughts and patterns to his incredible mindset of viewing everything as a means for awakening and growth. This man has so much to offer and to give to others and so much wisdom to share and he has left us all with a lot to ponder and to perhaps implement into our own lives. Mm. I loved that conversation and I hope you did too. I would like to say a massive thank you to Ryan for sharing with such passion and joy. It shines through in each and every word. If you would like to get in touch with him, then you can find him over on Instagram at ryanmannix underscore yoga. Lastly, I would love to say a massive thank you to you for listening here today and for sharing your time with both of us if you would like to stay connected you can hit the subscribe button or find me on instagram at steph sanzaro or you can leave a little five star review it is completely up to you thank you once again and i will see you in my next episode